episode 161 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. The Pilot the Pilot podcast is brought to you by The Finer Points. You can get a free three-day trial of the Ground School app by visiting learnthefinerpoints.com. Hi, my name is Hannah Neal. I'm a certified flight instructor here in Oregon. I'm also a commercial pilot with my multi-engine rating and I fly aerobatics. AV Nation, what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot Podcast. My name is Justin Seams and I am your host. Today's episode is with Hannah. Hannah is currently a CFI in the Pacific Northwest with a soon move down to Southern California. Hopefully get some better weather as Pacific Northwest can be quite cruel this time of year. But AV Nation, this episode was a great one. It was awesome to talk with Hannah. She does a lot of flying, flies as much as she can and does some really cool aerobatic flying and look out for that super decathlon that she's flying and competing in, which is pretty cool. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at pilot to pilot If you want to support the show, check us out on patreon.com slash pilot to pilot Aviation, I don't want to keep you any longer. So without any further ado, here's Hannah. Hannah, what's going on? Welcome to the Pilot to Pilot podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so stoked to be here. I know I'm excited to have you on too. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. We were laughing off off the recording beforehand. <laughs> we were talking about me ignoring your DM two years ago when you were just trying to get into the community. <laughs> so uh, so a little bit of context so that you all know the real uh, Justin is that um, he's too good for student pilots apparently because uh, when I was a student pilot, I reached out to Justin and do you want me to read the whole DM? Yeah, it's, I mean, if you want to, if you want to embarrass yourself. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my God. No, it's, 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 pretty, uh, it's pretty naive. So I was like, Hey, I'm new to the aviation community and I'm one. And then I put in parentheses very soon. Check right away from a private pilot. What are some great Instagram accounts in the community you'd recommend to follow? I just found your podcast yesterday and I've already listened to half the stuff. I love something like that. It was just very, um, it's very funny to look back on that. And, uh, then you never, you never responded. So Crushed the dreams and hearts and you almost got out of aviation. You unfollowed me. <laughs> yeah. You're the, you're the reason that I almost did not become a pilot. Thanks. I feel great. So this is going to be a great start to this episode. <laughs> yeah. We always like to be a positive around right? here. So gotta bring uh, me don't down. go to Justin if you're looking for any kind of, uh, you know, a dream or to talk That's or really funny. inspiration. Well, yeah, it seems like, like you've done pretty good on Instagram though. It seems like you were able to build it up and uh, find some great accounts to follow. So someone helped you out, right? Yes. I, um, it, it just kind of, you know, came over the years, I think of, uh, you know, the more that you, I guess, get into it airports, you're around, you're talking to people, they say, Oh, have you heard of flight shops? Have you heard of aviation 101? Have you heard of, uh, you know, uh, Jason Miller? And you're like, Oh no, I haven't. And then you go on and, and it kind of works itself in, but no help from Justin, of course. <laughs> well, here we are, <laughs> you know, two years later, I'm a trad. I came to my senses. Would have never thought I'd be here um, after sending that. See, the wait was worth it, right? I think so. Yeah, two years. It seems like a long time ago when I was a student, but then it's kind of crazy to think that that was only two years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty recent. Yeah. Well, let's let's break into uh, or get into a little bit about your story. Why did you even want to become a pilot? Or do you come a fam? Do you come from a family of pilots, or is this kind of just like one day you woke up and you saw a plane and you're like, I want to do that. 
Yeah, it's um, it's kind of a, a multifaceted answer, I would say. Um, there's a few kind of pushes that I had uh, throughout certain moments. And then there's another push that finally got me into that discovery flight. So uh, the only pilot in my family is my uncle. He's an airline pilot. So he's a triple seven captain for United right now. And he's very high in the seniority list. And he's kind of over it and he's retiring pretty soon, but he has absolutely loved his career. So there's that background. Um, and obviously I always wanted to be an astronaut when I was little, that was kind of just the dream. Uh, but really my first kind of inclination, this is probably one of the weirdest ones, uh, the kind of weirdest, why'd you want to become a pilot or how'd you get the interest? Um, when I was younger, I was obsessed with air crashes, Like I was Weirdly, I had this obsession, probably middle school to like early high school of just like airplane disasters. Like I would binge watch the Smithsonian air crash uh, investigation and I would read all these books and I would read NTSB reports and I was really fascinated with the systems and what went wrong. And I was so invested in learning about all these issues and I remember being like, Oh, TCAPs, that's cool. That sounds really cool. It's very technical. And, you know, I I remember that specific system being something I was very interested in. And so I just kind of kept researching it and I was like, Whoa, I want to kind of get into this. But then I thought that it wasn't for me because I was like, well, I'm a photographer. I was a professional photographer. So I thought there's no way, like, I can't just, it's a lot of work to just become an airline pilot. You can't just up and be an airline pilot overnight. And you can't, um, I was worried about that. <laughs> it does take a lot of work, but I was like, I was very scared of that. And then I got hired to do, I was a professional photographer. I got hired to do a, uh, sightseeing flight, like a, do a photo flight of someone's house or something in orange County. Cause I'm from California. And I, that was my first time in a helicopter. And I was like, I was floored. I, I want to fly helicopters. I was like, Whoa, I need to be a helicopter pilot. This is the coolest thing ever. I've got to be a helicopter pilot. Um, and so then I spent way too much money that I should kind of, if, if people ever ask like, Oh, what's your biggest regret, bi- biggest, uh, giant purchase regret. It's all the money I spent on these charters. Like I s- just had this, this six months where I was booking all these tour flights because I was so obsessed with flying and it, it was so much money that like, <laughs> I wish I had back, <laughs> you know? It's so much money like that. I just like, I look back, I'm like, why did I spend that much money on these? Um, the memories, right? What was that? I said, but it's for the memories. So it's all good, it right? It's for the memories. Yeah, it's for uh, the gram. It was for the gram. I got really good photos. But then I was in Bend, Oregon, doing this sunset flight over the Cascades. And my helicopter pilot, her name was Sam. I was up front and I was sitting there and I, I just said to her, I'm like, Can, I, I just want to do this. Like, I, why am I in a major I don't like. Yeah. And so she's like, you should just do it. Like, if you want to do it, why don't you just do it? And so then I called my uncle and I went to a flight school and, uh, and they told me I couldn't do it. Wait, what? Why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, w- I was super inspired, uh, went out to a flight school that I found online and they didn't offer to take me up for a discovery flight. Um, they interviewed me and they said, what do you like to do in your life? And I was like, well, I like to hike. I like to camp. I like to, um, travel. Um, I like to take photos. I'm a photographer. And then she said, what are you going to give up to be a pilot? 
you know, what, cause you can't do all that and be a pilot. What are you going to give up? Um, and that really stuck with me. Um, they didn't offer to take me flying, you know, at all, or, or even book a discovery flight. I don't know if it was a weather thing, but they didn't even ask, like, do you want a discovery flight? Which looking back as a CFI, like I look at that and I think, wow, like I almost didn't become a pilot because of that reason. That's incredible. I wish this was video right now so you could see my face. Like I am just completely dumbfounded right now that they said Isn't that. Isn't that insane? Like I was so driven away. She's like, what are you going to give up? And I, and I just kind of find that like almost she didn't take me seriously or you know, which I don't think you should ever do. I I think that anyone that comes in the door that says, Hey, I want to be a pilot. I had no idea what a 172 was. I had no clue, but I think anyone that comes in, you should welcome them with open arms and just be like, yes, let me give you all the resources, tell you all the things. Um, everyone deserves a chance. You know, it's like, even if you have to give something up, that's not for someone else to tell you that you need to give something up. That's for you to figure out on your own and to weigh what you rate in your life and what makes you the happiest. So like if you had to give up one hike every single month just to go flying, then I think you'll make it work, but it's not for someone else to come up and tell you, what are you going to give up? You can't do this. It's like, no, I'm here to pay you money to take me up in that plane to see if I want to do this. And I will tell you if I want to do this or not. I like it's wow. I just find that insane. That and that that phrase has really stuck with me. The what are you going to give up to do this? You know, because you can't do it if if you and and I did make sacrifices in college. Um, you know, and my sacrifice was uh, I missed a few things. I missed out on you know, some, some fun things. Um, but I, I did do a lot. And not only that, I did a lot in two years and I kind of felt like, and so I, I walked away from that and I was really upset. Um, cause I felt like, Oh, I can't do it. I, I was literally told that I I'm like, Oh, you can't do it. Um, I was very naive. I had no idea, like I said, what a 172 was. So I didn't have any kind of direction at this point. You know, I thought that would be my guiding beacon. Like here's the, here it is. But you know, to have that kind of glimmer of hope, like, Hey, I'm going to learn to fly. Especially Um, when you look at it, like another uh, girl in aviation could be like, all right, I'm going to be your mentor. I'm going to help you get, get into this industry. I'm going to show you what it's like. We need more women in aviation, you know, like this was an opportunity to really get you into the door. And instead of that, she turned you away. (laughs) Yeah. It was a woman that told me I couldn't fly for the first time, which I, I find kind of, uh, counterproductive to a lot of things. I hope she's listening right now. (laughs) I I wonder, I think last I heard the flight school is maybe closing down. So I'm not really sure. Well, I hate to say I'm not surprised, but. (laughs) Yeah, they're turning away people like that. Um, But then it was, um, it was my uncle, of course. We we bring it back to um, the one family member I have in aviation. Uh, And my my grandfather was obsessed with planes. Um, He had a big World War to kind of, uh, scene like diorama. Is that the word for it? Kind of shadow box in his house. Um, he passed away a few years ago. He would have loved, you know, all of this. He would have been so proud of me, but, um, he never got to see me fly, unfortunately. Um, but my uncle, I called him after and he was like, Hey, how'd the discovery flight go? Or he, he called me, I think. Um, and I said, Oh, I, I didn't go flying. And he's like, he had the same reaction that you probably did. He was floored. He's like, what? They didn't even offer to take you in a plane? And I was just sitting here like, no, uh, they didn't. And he said, 
please don't give up. And, and he lives in Vancouver, Washington. So I drove like, I, I go, I would go to dinner at their house every once in a while. It was a few hours, but I'm um, really close with him. And so I went up there and we were on his computer looking at flight schools again. He's like, please don't give up. Like there's more flight schools out here for you. There will be a good fit. And I think it was really good luck because my instructor that I ended up uh, working with through pretty much all of my ratings up to CFI and certificates, he had just, what's it called? Like SEO when you uh, uh, enable yourself to be discovered on the internet kind of, it's SEO. He had just done that the last week and I hadn't seen him before. And so I called him and I said, Hey, I want to learn to fly. I know nothing. (laughs) And he just goes, fantastic. When do you want to fly? And I said, I said today, and he goes, Oh, I can't today. I've got lessons. How about tomorrow? Let's go flying. And we made the, uh, you know, we made the date. We were like, okay, here's the date tomorrow, this time. And he did the full briefing with me of how planes fly and how, uh, you know, what we're going to do, what to expect, how it all works. And then we went up and the rest is history. So it's people like that, you know, that you call and you say, I want to learn to fly. Perfect. I'm going to show you the ropes. Dang. Well, I'm glad he was there. Or I'm glad your instructor was there to, to show you the ropes because that's how the industry should be. They should respond to DMs. They should offer to take <laughs> you up in the air. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that didn't turn you away. And I'm glad that you were very determined to do this because it would be a shame if, if something like it happened and you were turned away from it. I do have one question or two questions about what you said before all this. You said that your uncle is a triple seven pilot for United. He doesn't fly from Denver to Hawaii, does he? Every once in a while. Yeah, I think he might. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, he probably, I think he does. He's been taking a lot more. um, Oh, where does he go? Goes to Japan a lot. Nice. Well, he's been taking the, the long haul ones. A lot and, but not flying as much, of yeah. course. Well, he uh, hasn't had any engine issues, has he? No, oh, 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 I see where you're going. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, because you ran into the airport. Nah. Uh, no, that was not him. Okay, <laughs> I get it now. I see where you're going. <laughs> that was not him. That's no, it could have been. been. Well, the situation isn't funny, but this conversation is funny. I just want that yeah, to be clear. Yeah. I don't want anyone to come after me. Well, I know, I know. I'd be like, yeah, we're, we're totally making, well, I mean, you know, little Hannah was obsessed with air crashes. So, you know, young Hannah would have probably been like, Ooh, like let's, yeah. Like I would be, um, it, it was really funny. Like talking about my uncle, uh, cause we, I grew up obviously not living near him. And so he'd come down for holidays and little Hannah would be at the Thanksgiving dinner table and we'd all, you know, beautiful Thanksgiving, the spreads all there, pumpkin pie, whatever. And do a candle at dinner. And then I would be, hey, hey, Roger, let's talk about Tenerife right now. <laughs> and everyone would just feel like, why are you bringing this up? Like, why? You know, but that's the stuff that I would always. Can we at least wait till after <laughs> dessert, Hannah, please? <laughs> yeah. Can we, can we just like, can you guys bring that into another room and not just dampen the mood, please? Because I would, I would always just bring up around him at Christmas and you know, Thanksgiving, all these disasters. And, uh, <laughs> I was very fascinated. So Sounds very morbid and very deep, but, you know, someone's got to have those conversations with you, right? Absolutely. And like I said, it got me started and, and that's kind of a weirder one, but that is what piqued my interest was, uh, air crash, you know, documentaries and books and all that. So, yeah, I mean, we got to learn from all those. So you, you learned everything you could possibly learn now about all the accidents. So you should be good. I, yeah, no, so I'm fine. So I'm a perfect pilot now. That's moral of the story. Yeah. Um, talking about 
actually finding training and actually finding your instructor? What was your actual training experience like? Yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome. I really loved my instructor that I work with and I still call him on a weekly basis. Uh, I talk to him all the time about advice. Like if I, you know, feel, you know, like I don't know how to make a decision with a, a student or something, or if I do something exciting or if I, I get a new observation, I always call him. So, uh, I did part 61, um, just independent. It was just him, uh, out of a hanger. So no official school school, uh, which I always wondered what that would be like to have kind of a central building that there's, you know, like snacks and <laughs> water available. And, um, you don't have to walk like to the porta potty to go to the bathroom that's at the fuel Island. And, um, but it was a cool experience cause it was, um, it was at Eugene airport. That's where I did all my training. Cause I went to U of O and I just loved it. It was, um, the weather was the one thing that of course was a huge dampener and still continues to be, uh, we kind of know this anyone that, you know, doesn't live in Arizona or California, but Overall, it was just a very positive experience. I feel like I learned from a very uh, qualified, just kind, humble guy. He was, uh, he's still alive. I, I talk like he's dead. <laughs> um, his name was Steve and uh, I still, I still call him all the time. He's, uh, he was a great instructor. And I think that I'm a mini Steve. Like I, I really, all, every, all my style, my, pretty much everything I do and, and the way that I teach is I just kind of copy him. And I've, I think he's got great stick and rudder. I think he taught me so much valuable information. I think I learned from a really good instructor. I don't want to say one of the best because I feel like everybody says that, but I really, I had a great instructor and he did all my training. He did above uh, about 75% up to CFI. And then I finished my CFI at the school that I work at now, which is at Aurora State. Aside from, you know, initially being turned away by uh, that one flight instructor, what was the biggest hurdle in your training and your career? What is something that you really had to get over to to continue this and to make it work? Um, yeah, I think that, well, of course I went in not knowing a lot about flying at all, really, except for about <laughs> air crash investigations. But um, I kind of didn't really believe that it could happen so quickly that you could just suddenly be flying a plane by yourself. And I just, it, it took a lot of push for me to do the solo cross country because I just kind of didn't believe that I was qualified and I didn't know, I didn't trust the process at all. Um, I did not trust it. I, I felt like, uh, and, and now being on the other side of it and, and sending students solo, I get it. And I see like, oh my gosh, I was ready way before I actually had the the mental confidence to do it. But I just didn't believe that that could happen that quickly. It seemed like a plane. That's crazy. That's, you know, cause I didn't really grow up, you know, in the, in the cub, like a lot of people did. So, um, I kind of, it crept up on me that I was starting to fly a plane by myself. And I was thinking like, this is insane. What didn't, <laughs> you, know, what didn't, didn't you trust? You said yeah, trust yourself or. I didn't trust. I almost didn't. Yeah. I think my, hmm, I don't know. Um, I think my knowledge, like I didn't trust my experience level, which I think is not the worst problem to have. I think that there's a fine line between, between everything, between, um, overconfidence, but also being confident enough to make good decisions and to not be fearful. And there's also a fine line between taking risks, um, 
and being taking risks that are that are dangerous and deadly and taking a risk that pushes yourself. And that line was really hard for me to find. The uh it was that how do I take a risk that will challenge me as a pilot, make me a better pilot that isn't deadly? Cause I've I've never you know those those sayings that are like uh oh do something every day that scares you or if you never try, you never know like the ones that you get at Hobby Lobby that you hang above your the mantle, whatever. Um, and I feel like that applies to like maybe a new, like, like I don't want to say normal people cause that sounds really bad, but you know, like, Oh, trying out for the sports team or traveling by yourself. But I looked at that and I thought this is an airplane. Like this is life or death. Like, you know, if uh reverse sensing you to a mountain, like if you're not, you know, and, and I, I saw that all as like, Whoa, uh, how do I manage these risks. I, you know, that was, that was hard for me to kind of, if that makes any sense to understand the boundary between pushing myself and taking a dangerous risk. I didn't know how to find that for a long time. A calculated risk more than a dangerous risk, right? Yeah. 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 I think like you have to push yourself as a pilot. Yeah, like you, you do got to, you have to take risks or else you're never going to learn. Um, and I think aerobatics opened that up for me. And and of course, getting the instrument rating helped that too. But just as a, as a private pilot, I had no idea how to really improve on myself without feeling like it was going to be dangerous. How did you find that line? You mentioned that you couldn't, you couldn't really figure out when to cross it and when not to cross it. What made you feel comfortable with it? Or is it just kind of like, all right, now the winds are 15. So I'll try this crosswind of 15 knots tomorrow. Somehow they're up to like 18. You just progressively um, went after it or was it just one day you're like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure it out. (laughs) Um, I think more experience for sure. And, and just, uh, more diverse experience. So what really helped me was trying out lots of different kinds of flying. Um, and at first, you know, cause when you're, when you're in one world, when you're, I was in an archer, so I did all my training in an archer. When you're in that archer and you're in private pilot, you know, world, you've never been in a cloud and you've got, you know, it's, just VFR weather, that's kind of hard to understand how to push that. But when you get involved in the different aspects of aviation, like tailwheel, aerobatics, instrument, um, those are so many other avenues that have their own sets of risks that you learn to manage. And then it kind of teaches you how to look for, does that make any sense? Like it kind of teaches you how to continue to look for these risks to manage like aerobatics. It's, there's a lot overstressing the airframe, um, you know, unrecoverable maneuvers if possible, um, just incompetency, um, you know, not being ready to handle an inadvertent spin, things like that. IFR, of course, we all know there's lots of things with that that can go wrong, um, lack of preparation. And so I just felt the more that I moved through different aspects of flying, the more certificates and ratings, the more planes that I flew. Like, I, I think I have like 40 different types of, that I've been PIC in, I believe at this point, I think it's 35. I, I, I got that totaled in my digital logbook and log 10. Um, I think it's up there. I think it's like 35. And so I've learned something from each of those airplanes of how to kind of, you know, like, uh, that's I more guess, than me. So good for you. <laughs> I just, I don't know. People are very nice to me in, uh, in aviation. People are very good to me. Um, the community is just, people give me these experiences and these opportunities and I'm, I don't know why, but I think people are just very good hearted. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I take away from that is just like 
you learn that the more experience that I get, just the more that I, I trust that experience. And uh, it's hard when you're a student and you don't have the, any experience to fall back on. You know, that's a huge thing. Like, I'm sure, Justin, you've had like problems that come up in flight. I don't know all the time, but, you know, I'm sure in your career you've had issues and you fall back on training experience. But when you're a student and you're so new, you have nothing to fall back on. Um, so it's kind of that can be a little intimidating to experience things for the first time. Oh, for sure. I definitely agree with that. I think, yeah, just the student pilot classic kind of confidence thing at first for me, it was just that kind of not being able to push myself, but, uh, very glad to be, have worked out of that. And, uh, it's really paid off just, you know, with, with expanding my, uh, aviation repertoire, is that a good word, I guess, <laughs> but it's really paid off. Going back to the beginning of your training, what was your goal for yourself? Was it your uncle's a triple seven captain? I want to be a triple seven captain, or did you not really set a goal and you're just kind of going to take it as it came? Oh, I totally set a goal. I was, um, I was dead set on airline pilot. I went in and I said, Hey, I want to be an airline pilot. Um, I was very, very dead set on that. And I took that all throughout the first few steps of my training. And, um, I was very much set on being an airline pilot. Are you still set on being an airline pilot or has that changed? <laughs> I don't really know at this point. Um, I think I might, I think I might be too VFR for the airlines. Like I, you know, nothing wrong with instrument. Um, I'm not obsessed with instrument. I think that it's really interesting. I think it's very satisfying when it all kind of clicks together. Um, very current and working on my double I. Um, but I feel like the fun for me, like sometimes I just go and do pattern because I just love physically flying the plane. And that's when I'm most happy is pattern in the decathlon. Like I, I mean, I'm sure I'll find like something that'll make me happier in the future, like pattern in a pits, pattern in the extra, or just aerobatics in both of those. But I love just pattern. <laughs> and so I've been like, I love taking off and landing again. I, I, I have a lot of fun with that or just physically flying the plane, um, doing maneuvers. That's why I love aerobatics. You know, it's very, um, it's physical. And so I feel like sometimes I'm worried that the airlines, well, I just went on a tangent, sorry, but, um, I just worried that the airlines would take kind of that, um, part of it and kind of dampen it a little bit. I feel like there might be too much, you know, but I don't know. I, I think that comes with the job. So I'm not really sure at this point, you know, I can always the good news do that. Is and, and the airlines can fund all the fun flying. You know, you can go fly IFR for, for work and then you come home and you can go fly the decathlon and the pattern for eight days. <laughs> That's kind of what I was thinking of, um, <clears throat> kind of using that as just like, okay, yeah, it's like, it's work. And, and I think it would be really fun. I just think that maybe 135 might be more for me, you know, where I'm more involved in the process. I think more involved in the planning, more involved in the flight. Um, but I really don't know at this point and I'm kind of just gonna take it as it comes and I don't really have anything. I'm, I'm, I'm only working towards, uh, I don't know. I really want to fly King Air. I feel like that would be really fun. They're cool. Yeah. I would highly recommend it. I was gonna say, what does your uncle say when you tell him that you don't know if you want to be an airline pilot, if you just kind of want to take it as it comes, is he very supportive of that? Or is he like, no, airlines are the way to go. Oh, he's probably going to listen to this. So he, uh, he really wants me to be an airline pilot and he really wants me, he keeps saying seniority is everything. Um, when I started the aerobatics, he was kind of like, what are, wait, so how about the instrument rating? Like, are you, <laughs> are you still working on, uh, 
you know, flying commercially or something. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll get there. Um, but yeah, I think he really wants me to get to the regionals so I can build seniority really quickly. Cause he, he says seniority is everything. Of course we know that's true. He, he really does want me to be an airline pilot. Um, and you know, I might, and I just kind of don't know at this point. Cause I feel like I changed my mind about, you know, which way I want to go every week. I have literally no clue. Um, I'm, I'm open to it. Uh, but there's so many other avenues that I could do. And I don't want to shut those down. I, I felt like I was very tunnel visioned. Um, when I first got into it, I was like, airlines, 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 I don't want to fly anything else. So I was very tunnel visioned. Um, that's now, the beauty of aviation though, is that there are so many ways that you can make a career in it and you can, you can have a good successful career. It's like, you can be a good CFI for your whole life and you can make yeah. a living off it. You can do a lot. You can fly charter. You can do what I do. Where you fly fractional 91 K and 91 and 135 and all of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My dad was very similar in what your uncle was. Is he wanted me to go airlines, 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 sonorities, everything. And when I got the job that I have now, it was even still like, all right, apply to American, apply to United. <laughs> it's like, you can get there. It's like, no, but this is what I want to do. So yeah. it's okay to, to find your own path in this career and make it what you want. But I mean, you just have to own it. You have to know that if you don't want to go airlines, then that's fine. Just, just own it and don't have any regret. Totally. But I'm open, you know, I'm, I'm open. I'm just not considering it as my main, I'm not dead set and positive that I want to go, but definitely I'm open to it. I think I'm open to everything. Um, cause I just don't know what I, what would fit me best. Like I said, a little bit to VFR, maybe I like the idea of, uh, of charter that, um, or 91 or 135 or whatever that, you know, you're going into these smaller strips. Like that is really appealing to me of like going into the smaller airports and planning the flight, being super involved with it, um, making, you know, like the decisions for it. And I, well, how much flight planning, how much uh, involvement do you have in your operation? Uh, we have full of- dispatch, so we don't really plan well, anything. But gotcha. we go to new airports every single every single day almost, it feels like. We have guys that have worked here for over 20 years, and every single week they always say they go to a brand new airport. So, I mean, there's a yeah. lot mentally to it. And we do we do fly a lot, and we do some some fun flying. Uh, mm-hmm. But we don't plan anything necessarily. I mean, we're still a part of like making sure everything's safe, and we double-check everything because we go to so many airports, it's on the PIC to, to make sure everything works and is legal. But we don't necessarily plan it. Totally. Like, yeah, I mean, I think either way, if you have dispatch or not, that's kind of appealing to me as being a little bit more involved with the true airport experience of going into the FBO. And and I feel like the airlines, like also passengers can, like, it depends on who you fly for, I think, but passengers seem like they can be very difficult sometimes, but I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know. I've, I've just kind of heard some horror stories. Yeah, I mean, there's horror stories in every part of aviation, though. There's horror stories in boxes. There's horror stories in being a CFI. So, I mean, you got to take everything here with a grain of salt. Absolutely. Yeah. So, still making up my mind, I think, or still, uh, I think moral of the story, um, in conclusion, I'm very open to whatever kind of will come my way. So, what was your training process like? So, you're CFI, obviously, now. So, you have all your ratings. But you mentioned that your uncle was like, wait, what happened to instrument? Are you still doing that? So what was your path? Did you do private instrument, commercial CFI, then aerobatics? Or did you throw aerobatics in in the middle? What was the path to, to get where you are now? Yeah. Um, aerobatics kind of got sprinkled in after private. I had just been, have you watched the flight shops episode? I have not. No, I watched a little bit of it right before we started, but other than that, I have not seen it yet. 
Okay, cool. That kind of tells a little bit of it in there. But um, basically, I had just gotten my private right before I had uh, won that contest. And that's when I went up to Canada. And that's what got me super inspired to start aerobatics. And obviously, the like starting aerobatics is kind of really difficult. People come into my DMs all the time and ask me how to do it. And unless you have like a dedicated school near you, or you get really lucky, like I did, um, it's really hard to just kind of start aerobatics. So if you don't have a school you or you get lucky, like I did, you're kind of out of luck. Um, but to an extent, if you don't have a plane, you know, I don't know what you're going to do. Um, and that's been the hardest thing too, is there's no formal training where I'm at at all. There's no, I don't have a, I don't have an instructor for aerobatics. Uh, which is kind of scary sometimes for trying new things. I, I don't do that, but, um, aerobatics was kind of sprinkled into after the private. And then I worked on, I had to buckle down and do my instrument because I got really distracted. Um, I felt really bad. There was like this one week, it was the week that I did my first competition during the summer of 20, uh, eight, 20, yeah, 2019, I guess. Um, I just told my instructor, I was like, Hey, so, uh, we're going to cancel all of our IFR lessons this week. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going to go play around up here. And, he, <laughs> and so that's kind of, I think when my, my uncle was like, uh, Hannah, let's focus on the, on the career here. Um, yeah, let's get back on track. So I, uh, yeah, I, I kind of sprinkled in aerobatics there and then it was kind of something I've just slowly been chipping away at just learning, um, ever since. I got my private was kind of when I started flying. And then of course I got my tailwheel, um, when I came back from Canada. So I got my tailwheel, uh, summer of 2019 or so, I think. Yeah. Um, and then I worked on commercial right after instrument, uh, got my instrument in 2019 as well. Commercial, I got that in 2020. Uh, and then I got my CFI in 2020. So last, is it 2021? Holy crap. Um, Oh, wow. It feels weird uh, to say that it's 2021. In 2020, I got my uh, CFI. And then this year I got my... Uh, so this year, about a month ago, I got my multi-engine commercial. Nice. Yeah. So busy. it's kind of been my my progress of yeah. just kind of the, <laughs> the uh, way I've done it. What was the... Um, obviously, you got drawn toward aerobatics. What was the hardest... Was it hard for you to get back into the training mode when you could see just how fun aerobatics was and how you could just go do that. You know, you didn't need any more ratings. All you needed was really your private and to be checked out in this airplane. Was it hard for you to get back in the training regiment or did you kind of understand you needed to do it to pursue more goals? It was really hard for me to snap back into it. Um, there was, oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I kind of took like about a month and a half to two months of just not really focusing on instrument at all. Um, and mostly because I had just been, you know, my confidence was going up as we kind of talked about and Oregon summers are so pretty. And so I would just have this ritual where every night I would go out at sunset, not every night, of course, you know, but you know what I mean? Um, I would fly at sunset and I would just be flying past the mountains just by myself and, and just loving it. And then I would, you know, that would usually be on the way back from flying the decathlon at Corvallis as the club that I was a part of. And then, I was loving the VFR life. <laughs> I did not want to go under the hood when it was so beautiful. I, you know, cause we had the most, we have the most gorgeous summer sometimes here. And, uh, 2019 happened to be an especially, uh, stunning summer and fall. And it was like, I did not want to go under the hood. 
I just, I just was like, you cannot put me under that thing. <laughs> like I want to learn, but I do not want to go under that thing. Yeah. I, I, mean, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. Let me see all the pretty stuff. Yeah. So I think once the weather started to turn and the trees started to lose all their leaves and everything started to turn brown and it rained, it was a lot easier for me to get back an instrument. And then from um, there, you're like, all right, cool. I got to finish all my training. All right, let's, let's buckle down and let's just do it. So that, but I was just this like, you know, like, oh, the, the new private pilot smell of the certificate was there and it was, you know, the fresh ink. And I was, I just took that and ran with it and definitely, which is good. You know, I'm, I'm glad that I, I took that time to kind of mess around. I would take all my friends up and, um, I was taking everyone for airplane rides and just loving it. Sunset flights. Um, but man, like I really did kind of let instruments slide a little bit there. So it did take me like a lot longer to do instrument for that reason, but well, instrument can be tough. So <laughs> instrument's one of those things that if you can find any excuse not to do it, then you probably do it. So it's one of those things where you really have to be on top of yourself and really hold yourself accountable to finish it. I agree. It It's definitely a lot more self-driven than uh, private can be. And man, I'm not going to lie and say that I was in love with my instrument training. You know, it was, uh, it was definitely just some, some of the book work that you have to do for for instrument is it's tough. It's, it's kind of confusing and, um, it's stuff that you don't really learn or not learn. Sorry. It's stuff that you don't really need to do in real life, you know, a lot of the time, but, um, it's, it definitely took a lot of motivation to get back into it and just kind of visualizing my goals was really helpful and kind of looking ahead and just being like, okay, we're going to buckle down get the check right date. We're going to do it. Yeah. No, it's what you got to do to get it done, especially because it's very common for people to struggle. I mean, everyone at some point struggles with instrument. I don't think I've ever really talked to anyone. It's just like, oh, I'm the best instrument pilot ever from day one. It's just yeah, not going to happen. So It's kind of confusing and um, it can get really annoying too. Like I, I just remember kind of being like halfway through it and, you know, my instructor would say, oh, okay, we're going to go do the RNAV three, five and a Corvallis. Then we're going to come back around and do the ILS. And I'm like, again, like, like, ah, gosh, like again, done every approach here. Like I just felt like, you know, ready to kind of move on, but are you a CFII right now or no? I'm working on it. We, uh, I had my check ride this month, but the weather <laughs> is kind of an issue. So, uh, but I am moving to California. I don't know if you knew that I'm going to move to SoCal next month. Oh, nice. Yeah. Better weather. Yeah. And uh, I'm realizing that I'm not, I'm not getting money, uh, obviously. So that's a, a huge issue, you know, but, um, I'm not making really any progress. It kind of feels like I'm running in mud with the weather here in Oregon. Um, and we've had an especially bad winter. Like we've had this ice storm that knocked out all the power at our airport for a week. So it was crazy. We had no power. So we, you know, we couldn't really dispatch or do anything or get fuel. So, um, it was kind of like the icing on the cake after I made up my mind to leave the Oregon weather just is like, Oh, I'm going to throw in an ice storm at you. <laughs> they <laughs> ran you out. They pulled your card. You had to play your cards. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, all right, well, I'll just take it in stride at this point. Cause I'm heading up to California. Um, so hopefully better flying weather, better opportunities there. Uh, I think that I'll really be able to advance my aerobatic career too. Um, did I just fully derail from the question? No, it's all good. <laughs> I got more questions. So it's all good. I was going to ask though, I was going to ask a follow-up to that yeah. is when you become a CFII, how are mm -hmm. you going to, if you face a student that had similar struggles that you did, 
are you going to sympathize with them and be like, yeah, instrument sucks. Let's just go find the pattern. Or are you going to be able to, to kind of, how are you going to um, push them to continue it? Have you thought about that yet? Yeah, totally. I will, I'll definitely get to their level with that because, uh, that's what my CFI did with me or my double I did with me. You know, I'd be, I would be very, very transparent with him about how I kind of felt some days and he would go, it is, it's hard. I know it's tough. And so he was very supportive of that and understanding and that, um, and, and seeing someone, you know, like that, who's accomplished a lot and who has, uh, you know, he's like obviously ATP and MEI and, and he's got a lot of hours. And so, um, when you're a student and you're very impressionable seeing, I think your instructor who you look up to and you learn from seeing that they struggled with it or that they understand that it's tough, you know, and, and that you'll get there. You just got to kind of trust the process is, uh, definitely very helpful. Yeah, I think. it definitely is. Getting on their level is really important for that. So what was it for you to even get into aerobatics? What was kind of, uh, how did you even get, you said that you were lucky, you've been lucky, you've always had people that were looking out for you or offering you the opportunity to do this. What was the original <laughs> opportunity? Was it the flight shops experience that got you into all this or was there other opportunities before that? Well, uh, it was the flight shops experience was the first, you know, kind of, um, I guess the ignition for it. And then after that, it was all just luck and really good people. Um, like I would not, and that's why it's hard for me to tell people how to get into aerobatics because people were just very, uh, generous to me. And it was out of the goodwill of all these pilots that I was able to do it. And uh, I'll kind of explain that. So, uh, flight shops experience, I submitted an essay. I think there's a lot of people probably listening that also applied for that. Um, and they had an anonymous panel that wasn't Steve. Steve was not involved in the process at all. Um, pick it. And they picked my essay. And I think like the, I, I wrote, I won't throw up. How embarrassing would that be if you sent someone out there and they threw up? <laughs> I just said, I will not throw up. Um, and so I went out there and if you've seen the video, I was very, very excited. Um, it's like a side of me that I watch it back. And I, I kind of like sometimes cringe because I'm like, oh my gosh, like who is that girl? But uh, I was very excited and I was sitting there and I was thinking, yeah, aerobatics, this is it. This is what I want to do. Um, but aerobatics are really hard to get into. Like I said, if you're not surrounded by it directly. So I was kind of sitting there and I was like, great, cool. Let's do it. Um, oh, where do we start? You know, that was kind of the, the hardest part. So, uh, you know, uh, Michael, you've interviewed Michael. Yeah. So he's a good friend of mine. And so I was talking to him and he, he put me in touch with this guy, Matt up at Aurora. And I went and I flew with him and then in his pits. And then he was saying, oh, you, uh, can join the IAC. And so then I got connected with the chapter in Corvallis and I was still in Eugene. So it was relatively close. And, um, Luke Penner and I have stayed really close too. Uh, he's one of my close friends and Luke said, yeah, just show up to the contest and you don't, you know, like even just ask to volunteer, just show up, uh, contact the volunteer coordinator. Uh, you can find on the website, just show up and, uh, just say you want to volunteer. It's a great way to learn how the contest works. So I thought, so I'd never met any of these people and I thought that I would be like handing out like water bottles to pilots and that I would just be like holding boxes or moving, you know, like umbrellas around or something. I thought I would just be like this manual labor at this contest. And I showed up and I met, do you know who Jim Burke is? Uh, name sounds familiar. 
Yeah, he's an unlimited pilot uh, for, and he's on a U.S. team and he does air shows. He's friends with Rob Holland. And so I met him. He lives in Corvallis. I was introduced to him um, and I just kind of walked over and I was like, hi, I'm Hannah. I, uh, you know, I'm here to volunteer. Like, I just didn't know anything about aerobatics. And he goes, you should compete. Let's get competing. And so I was like, what? I've never, <laughs> what? I, I can't do that. And so everybody at that whole contest, and this was in 2019, everyone pitched in. And in three days, I was able to compete in my first aerobatic contest. And they gave me a plane. Someone, um, someone covered my fee, like this really sweet Canadian man named Brian. He covered my fee. People took me up in all their airplanes. So I flew in a, that's when I started, you know, logging all that crazy PAC time of the Christian Eagle. And then I was in a pits and I was in an extra and then I was in the decathlon and everyone was taking me up in their free time to show me the figures, explain the sequence and run it through with me and safety pilot me. And everyone was so generous. And then, uh, Marianne, who's Jim's fiance, let me stay in their house, like in their basement and let me sleep there. And they, you know, covered my meals. And so it was just, everybody was so generous. And that was this kind of generosity that of aviation that really came into full force. And that's how I got started is, is everyone just pitched in to, uh, help me compete. And I got second place. No way. That's awesome. <laughs> Which is crazy. And so that's how I got started. Isn't that a weird, like everybody yeah. just, not weird, but very, uh, like I was saying, people have been really good to me. It's really funny how you went from people not being good to you in the beginning. Uh, that one lady that told you, no, you, you're not going to, like, what are you going to give up? You sh- you're not doing this. We're yeah, not exactly. flying. <laughs> and then now you're finding yourself with people trying to help you out as much as, po- much as possible. Uh, I'm really glad you didn't say no in the beginning and you didn't take that to heart and we're like, all right, well, maybe it's me. Maybe she knows something about me that I can't do this because I'm sure that happens. If it happens to you, it has to happen to someone else. And there has been a ton of people that have been told no when they just went to the wrong FBO, talked to the wrong person on the wrong day at the wrong time. You know, Uh, I'm really glad your uncle pushed you to continue to do this because you've opened up a pretty cool career for yourself and you're, you're creating your own community and you're going to be able to help give back either now or in the future. And maybe it was good that you heard the no in the beginning because now you you know the determination it takes and you can spot the people that actually want to do this and you can bring up more girls in aviation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I think I carry that into instructing completely with just supporting my students and um, anyone that comes into the FBO. Uh, we're, we're an FBO and a flight school. I always make sure to give them, um, you know, a lot, the, the whole rundown. If they want to see the planes, if they want to book a flight, a discovery flight, they want to tour the school. Like I'm always, I think because of that experience, of course, I mean, I, I think I would be that way anyways um, and really open to it, but especially because I was told I couldn't do it. I don't want people to ever feel that way when they come in. So um, I always welcome people in if they want to learn because there's a lot of people that come in. They just go, hey, I want to be a pilot. And we really try to be accepting of that. I think my school does that very well. What was the hardest check card you've ever had to take? Um, I think, let's see, my instrument was pretty tough. I had a really tough examiner and uh, he's kind of notorious for being pretty, uh, difficult. He was a Lieutenant Colonel in the air force, 20 years, B 52 guy. And he won't let you pass if you're not, if you're not up, you know, if you're not up to the challenge. And, uh, 
my instrument was exhausting. It was, uh, the oral was pretty difficult. He did pretty much most of it was on like one approach. So if you could ask every question about one approach, that was it. And every detail, um, the flight was really exhausting. Uh, we did like every, I think the most exhausting approaches that you could do, of course, like in the end, he gives me, you know, like a, the biggest arc possible. And then I got a real hold, which sucked because I was so done. It was a long check ride. We actually did a cross country. We went 50 miles away and oh yeah, we did a 50. It was, I think the total mileage of my check ride was over 150 miles. It was a long, it was like two point something. It was a long check ride. Knowing what you know now, would you have chosen a different examiner? Oh, I, I went back to him actually for my, my commercial and my CFI because I had developed, um, you know, a good connection with him at, at that point because I had done two check rides with him. He did my private. When I did my, when I did my instrument, I thought, why, how am I going back to him? Like, I, I'm like, I don't know why I'm booking him again for my instrument, but we're going to do it. Um, and I felt like he had a lot of wisdom. I felt like I wanted to take his check rides because I felt like they would push me to do my best. You know, I felt like I knew that he wasn't going to let me get away with it. And obviously there's a lot of imposter syndrome sometimes in aviation, you know, and I, I knew that he wouldn't give it to me if I didn't deserve it. And I kind of liked that challenge after the instrument. Yeah. Do you think it's, do you think it's good to take check rides with the same person? Like if you develop a rapport and they kind of know you as a pilot, do you think that is a good situation for you to be in? Or do you think that can be kind of complacent and maybe you kind of find yourself in a good spot? I'm not saying this is you. I'm just saying in general. Um, I guess the main question is, do you think you should take the check ride with the same person if you found a good person that you like and you think that uh, they're looking out for you or they you just trust them? Or do you think it's best to kind of mix it up? I think that uh, it goes both ways. I have mixed it up too. Like obviously my multi-engine, I ended up doing it with um, a different examiner. So I did mix it up. And I felt like it's good to do it with the same examiner because you learn the intricacies of, um, like, you know, when you're taking a check ride and you're thinking like, is it okay to talk right now? You you, like, you can't tell if they're going to fail you for sterile cockpit or not, or what they're thinking. And I felt like with the examiner that I'd used, I kind of knew his style of how to take them didn't make them easier. I just felt more comfortable with them. It didn't, negate the work, you know, but it just was, um, easier to get more relaxed. And I felt like I could do better because I wasn't stressed. And I was obviously stressed for my multi cause it was a John Wayne, which is very busy airport compared to what I'm used to. And then I'm flying a new plane and handling all the traffic alerts that I'm getting. And, um, you know, but different examiner. And I think that the other examiner and I got along well, I'll probably use him for my double I too. So we will see, but Oh, that was a long answer for a simple question, but what's, um, no, I mean, that was a good answer. What would you say have been your, well, I guess better way to start it. What were your expectations about becoming a CFI and have those expectations lived up to what it actually is, or is it completely different than you imagined? I think that, um, I think that it definitely, let's see, my, my expectations were that it's a really good question. Um, my expectations were that I would be there for my students. You know, I always had that dream of being very supportive, just like Steve was for me. Um, and 
I never had thought of all the creative ways they could use to try to kill you. Like I would have never, Oh my gosh. Like the training does not prepare you for the things that they'll do. Uh, they're very creative. Like they'll just make things up to try to kill you. Um, and I would have never thought that, you know, you would have thought there that they'd make more simple errors. If that makes any sense. Like I, I always imagined it would be a lot more and not everybody of course is, you know, like trying to actively kill you all the time. It's not always scary, but there's some moments that you're like, Oh my God, (laughs) you just let your guard down. So I think it was exactly kind of what I expected. What's been the scariest moment that you've been in an airplane? Oh, that's such a good question. I had this guy, um, who he probably won't listen to this. He, uh, (laughs) yeah, I don't think he will. He was really struggling with landings. And he could not get any of it. His, his judgment for his distance above the ground was really not good. And so we were still working the pattern and he, out of nowhere, sometimes like you just, you're helpless. And he, out of nowhere, like we're probably 20 feet above, he pulls like the nose. So like he pulls the yoke so far back and he yanks it so quickly that we, are just a sitting duck at this point. Like there was nothing I could do. And we dropped so quickly and hit the runway. And then we bounced right back up and I just shoved him off. Like you don't even have time at that point to say my controls. I, and he did it so unexpectedly too. It was very out of character. Um, and I just shoved him off and I pushed the throttle full in and I shoved that nose back down to get airspeed back. And and that's my tip for new CFIs, get the nose down. Like no matter what, if you get the nose down, you know, that's like kind of my first priority when something like that happens. And so I just shove that nose forward and we're kind of just about like hanging out right over the runway. And I was sitting there like, oh, oh my God, I can't believe I caught that. Um, I don't think it was a slip in my judgment with him. I think it was so unexpected and so quick that it was like pulling a rug out from someone's feet. Like you just pull the airspeed out of the plane. like. It was so fast. How do you treat how do you treat that as like a teaching moment? How do you take your anger, your oh my gosh, I almost died. This is like my fifth life out of nine lives. Uh, How do you take yourself out of that situation and figure out how to make a constructive criticism and make sure you don't like scare them away? What's kind of like, or maybe you do. Maybe that's like, all right, you're not supposed to do this. But what's what's kind of how does a CFI go about that? Yeah, this is an interesting case because this is um, a pilot. I really hope he doesn't listen to this. Um, I have told him, though, unfortunately, I've had to have that talk. So this guy particularly is one that the chief CFI and I have had to sit down with. Um, He is about 80 hours and he has not soloed. Um, I didn't start with him either. I took him over from another instructor. Um, So I have had to have that talk. So that's a different kind of situation. But the ones where you know, like I've got this one guy, he won't mind me saying this, uh, Tyler, I'm getting ready to solo. He's really cool. He'll probably be listening to this. Uh, he's one of my, What's up, Tyler? Students. Yeah, Tyler. <laughs> now I'm going to tell him to listen to this. Um, he's a great student. I'm getting ready to solo him. He's got great judgment and he, you know, he'll make little mistakes here and there. And, um, we talk about the good things first. It's kind of like you sandwich the bad with the good. So, you know, we always debrief what he did good. And then we, always ended on a positive note. So I always try to end a lesson on a positive note where, uh, for practicing landings, for example, we ended on a good landing. And even if maybe we have time to do one more, if that's a good landing, I'm probably going to call it in just so that we have that positivity. And 
then we have that good feeling that we've, we've nailed a landing and then we can debrief on the bad one so that it's not a, a whole confidence killer, but it's, you know, more of a, okay, like that's an example of how it can go right. Let's talk about that one that wasn't that good and what happened there. And so that's kind of how I handle those is I always try to end on a positive note. What's your number one, say you have a brand new student, uh, could be a girl, could be a guy, could be whatever, older, younger. What do you recommend a brand new student coming into aviation? Uh, should they study beforehand? Should they come in just ready to learn? I guess, what are some like tips that you would suggest someone listening to this right now? It's like, I want to be a pilot. I want to go for it. What do you recommend them before they start training to be prepared? There's so many tips I have. I think if I could, you know, think of one, um, there's a lot of advice. I think being prepared for your lessons. So, uh, is always really good. Uh, the ones that do a lot of reading beforehand of what we're covering, say it's stalls, if they're reading about stalls and then they come in and they already know what angle of attack is and what the critical version of that is, that's great. Um, that's perfect. That's a lot less time on the ground, more time in the air. Um, so reading beforehand, you know, understanding what you're going to do with your lessons. Um, also just kind of use your CFI. Like there would be like use them to your heart's content. I would back Steve into a corner with questions. Like (laughs) I would, I would work that guy. Like we would be in the classroom or whatever in our like makeshift classroom. And this poor dude would just be like, I want to eat my lunch. Like Hannah, can we, you know, I would just be, I kind of took, you know, every ounce of advice that I could get out of Steve. And so I would always be asking questions. So just be very curious. Um, It's kind of hard if, you know, like, if you're not innately, I don't know, like there's some people that are more curious than others that want to do that. But I think, yeah, just, just asking questions, using your CFI to the greatest of your abilities, um, back them in your corner. Like I did with Steve, like just press on them and, and get all the information you can to them. What has there ever been a moment in your training and flying at all where you either scared yourself you either struggled at something for a long period of time and couldn't get it to where it got to the point where you were like, I'm done. I can't fly anymore. Or has every kind of block that you've had in your path just been something that you've been able to overcome and find, found a way without being very discouraged to, to want to give up? <laughs> I think of one thing, like the first thing that comes to mind was the first time I soloed a tailwheel. Um, I was not ready. <laughs> and I had hardly any tailwheel time. I had this instructor that was kind of just like, okay, you're good. And I was like, okay. Um, and it, it was kind of at that point, you know, like we talked about where I was learning to take risks while mitigate, you know, well, trying to understand that boundary. And this was, this was a risk. Um, I was not ready to solo. Uh, so I went up in the decathlon and I think I was, I think I did six go arounds before I was able to actually bring it down, um, and land it and not scare myself. Like I just kept bouncing every time, uh, wheel landings were so hard for me when I was, uh, you know, a, a new tailwheel pilot. And then I didn't feel super confident about three point cause I couldn't see cause I'm really short. And at that time, like I'm five, four, so planes are hard for me. And at that point, um, I didn't have a cushion. Like now I have a cushion in the decathlon, so that's a lot easier. But three-pointing was really hard. And I didn't want a three-point. Wheel landing was difficult too. So I was not ready to solo. And that was terrifying. That was one of the scariest things ever was taking that plane off and being like, well, I got to get this thing back on the ground. <laughs> 
as I say, that's people find themselves in fear, like a fearful moment like that. And a lot of times it can scare them. Uh, but if, like you said, it's like, I have to get this down. Like I can only go around so much. There's only so much fuel. I can only fly it for so many hours before I have to land. <laughs> what did you, how did you talk yourself through that? Where eventually you're just like, all right, here we go. We'll, we'll, we'll get this one down. Or was it uh, a progressively like, all right, I'll try this speed and see how I feel here up, go around and come back and try just like progressively get it down. Well, yeah, the the thing that's actually kind of crazy is that after I successfully landed it, I sat there, you know, I successfully landed it's on the ground. I was, I was really scared before, of course, because I was really inexperienced and, and I put myself into something that I I don't think I was ready for. And then I went up again. (laughs) I I sat there and I was like, oh, I'm just going to take off again. If I was able to get it down this one time. I can get it done again. And you know what? I've got to push through that. Clearly someone signed me off. I know I'm not the best tailwheel pilot in the world, but clearly I can land the plane. I'm able to. So, and that was hard because I was petrified the second time around too, (laughs) but, um, I just sent myself right back out there and I did one more and then I landed it and I was like, no more, uh, I'm done for the day. Like I need a beer or something. This is <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> what if you could look at your career right now? So you could, um, I don't know, let's just say you're looking at what your future holds. What would be your perfect scenario as of right now? If you could have any dream come true, uh, money's not an issue, uh, just pure joy, fun, whatever it be, what would you want out of your career right now? Oh, okay. I want a lot of airplanes. Um, so I want a pits S two B really bad. Uh, so I would have that, and then I'd also have some other planes, and then um, I would be obviously really good at aerobatics. So I would be working with a instructor all the time, and I would be able to really advance my career with that. And I really want to get more involved with aerobatics. Like that is my dream to move up in the levels and to you know get up to advanced or. Um, not unlimited. I don't know, but I really want to go that route. Um, so I'd have all these cool planes to do that in. And then decathlon though is pretty great for that. So we'll see, but, uh, not for the upper categories, but you know what I mean? And then for a career, um, man, I think like globals are really cool. Like I feel like flying a global would be cool. Um, like I said, I want to fly King Air. I don't know. Like the ideal, I just want to fly everything, you know, Um, (laughs) fly all the planes. Yeah. Like it's like when I try to think of one thing, it's hard because I want to try all these planes. I don't want to just be, you know, stuck in, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't think you're ever stuck in aviation. I think you do keep kind of progressing. Um, international would be really cool. Like I would, I would love to transport to that time when I'm flying, you know, across the Atlantic, doing Atlantic crossing would be really cool. And a global. Yeah. Like a global. Or a triple seven with your uncle, you know? Yes. Just join him up there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that could be really cool to. I love globals, though. It's a beautiful plane, so that could be cool. If someone was listening to this um, and they wanted, or someone was listening to this, they got really inspired to become a pilot. What would be? They reach out to your DMs, you respond because you're really good at that. What would be <laughs> the tips that you would give them? They're like, hey, I just need like, what's three, five tips? What should I do to start in aviation? Like, how do I be you essentially in aviation? So I have so many people that DM me about that. I have, uh, if anyone's listening to this and they follow me, I have a lot of notifications and I spend about an hour on Instagram every day. So I have so many of those DMs right now that I haven't responded to. 
And I think Boy, I have, so like, you don't respond to DMs either, huh? Interesting. I can't. <laughs> well, like a lot, sometimes they're really creepy and, and also I just don't have the time, you know, I, I have a limiter on my, on my phone. I only allow myself like an hour of social media and I just try to not spend too much time on it. So, uh, but if you're listening to this and you have sent me a DM about wanting to be a pilot and asking for my advice, I have gotten a lot of those. Um, I would tell you that it's okay to switch instructors So don't be afraid to do that. Um, None of us care or will complain. Like it's completely normal. And I think it's good for you to switch an instructor if you really don't feel like they're a fit for you. Um, Another piece of advice would be to fly often. Uh, Lots of people, I find we've got a lot of lessons that are just getting back into it or, uh, oh yeah, we just want to shake off the rest. But then that turns into every lesson. And so it's kind of counterintuitive, but you will save money if you fly more because then you're fresh and you're ready to move on to the next step. No more repeat lessons. So flying often really helps. Um, and then if you're trying to go in the long run, um, and I got this advice from my uncle. Uh, so if you're wanting to be an airline pilot, like a lot of my students are a corporate pilot, uh, you got to love it. Uh, you have to know that you love it because it's, it, it does get to be hard work. You know, and you don't get to the point where you're at your multi-engine commercial and you don't love it. I mean, maybe some people do, but you've got to really want to do it. You know, if you're forcing yourself out to the airport every day and you're not stoked for your lessons, I think that, you know, like maybe reconsider why you're not happy. But um, at the end of the day, like, you know, if it makes you happy, then anything in it is really possible. You know, like if you love aviation, you'll make it work. Like I... I don't know how I made it work through college and got through so fast. I, I had to wake up at five thirty every day to do my private instrument to fit in studying. Like that's yeah, how I made it work. <laughs> so, yeah. It's one of those things, especially when you're building your time or you are CFI or aero survey, whatever route you go down. Um, it doesn't, it's not easy. You know, there's going to be weeks where you love it, weeks where you hate it. It's going to really drain on you because there's this goal that's dangling in front of your head that feels so far away, but you just got to find a way to continue to push and push and push. And uh, don't give up in those times. Like you said, like question, like what's going on, like figure out what is the stem of the unhappiness and try to fix that. But don't give up on the goal because it's going to be worth it in the long, long run for sure. Absolutely. There are, it's not all sunshine and rainbows throughout flight training. I think Justin, you and I both know this. It's not, not you're, you know, there are, there are days where you're just, Oh my God, I just want to go to bed, you know, or you have really stressful days or, um, you feel like you made a bad decision. You know, that's something that weighs on me a lot, um, is like guilt of maybe I made a weird weather call where I didn't fly with a student, but it was flyable. And then I feel like I wasted their day. Like that weighs on me. The guilt from that is crazy for some reason. Um, but you know, there's going to be like those kind of negative feeling days, but overall, you know, if you're really, you look at a plane in the sky when it goes by and you're just like, Oh, I wonder who's up there. And I, Oh, that'd be fun. I wonder what they're doing. And, and you're, you know, that innate love for aviation, um, I think doesn't go away. Absolutely. So, yeah. All right. Well, you have pretty much completed the podcast. I just have a couple more rapid fire questions for you. So this is a very yeah. quick answers. You say okay. the first thing that comes to your mind and nothing else. All right. All right. All right. What's your favorite airplane ever? Oh, Concord. Favorite corporate airplane. Mm, uh, global favorite small ga airplane oh pits what's the ugliest airplane you've ever seen (laughs) 
Oh God. It's that one, that, that extra that isn't an extra, uh, like the EA 400, it looks like a sausage. I'll have to look at that. I don't think I've ever seen that one before. Yeah, EA 400. Right. <laughs> What's something you wish you knew before you became a pilot? Oh, um, best decision ever. Who in the industry would you like to meet most? It could be alive. They could have died. Just anyone that in aviation ever, who would you like to meet? most? Anyone in aviation that I would like to meet? I think definitely Bob Hoover. Yeah, oh my gosh. Very cool. What a legend. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like no doubt. What's your favorite thing overall about aviation in general? Oh man. The physical parts of it and controlling the airplane and yeah, that is so much fun for me. Hardest flight you've ever flown. Um, uh, uh, rapid fire is the slowest fire. Um, It'd have to be this approach to minimums in Corvallis in a cell. Worst turbulence I've ever gotten. I felt like I felt like I was going to throw up and the instruments all started blending together because it was so bad. And it was the cell that moved in. I didn't ex- even see it. And we went right through like the yellow and it was down in minimums. I almost didn't even, I almost went around and I was like, I don't want to go back up into that. That was horrible. Hated that. What's your favorite flight? Oh, favorite flight. Oh, that's such a great question. Um, it'd have to be the one with Luke in Canada from the flight shops experience. Least favorite. Oh no. Your least favorite <laughs> airport you've ever had to land at. Oh my gosh. Uh, least favorite airport. McMinnville in Oregon is terrifying. There are so many student pilots and there's like crossing runways. Hmm. So I hate that. That airport is really stressful on a summer day. Favorite airport. Favorite airport. Um, I love the airport in the sky, Catalina. That is a classic. IFR or VFR? VFR. Would you rather fly over mountains, beaches, or cities? I love the mountains. Would you rather fly an Airbus or a Boeing? Boeing. Favorite airline livery? Oh, um, you know, I really have been digging the Alaska kind of newer, like lime green and blues. Like those are my color. That's my color palette. I love that. <laughs> cool. I don't think I've seen them yet. I'll have to check them out. Maybe I have. I just don't notice. Yeah, I think I, I just really notice it because their color scheme is really cool. Would you rather fly, let's say, in the decathlon, you know, as long as you can possibly fly. So whatever the range is in the decathlon, or would you rather do as many touch and goes you can do at one time? <laughs> yeah. I I love touch and goes. So you'd rather do like 100 touch and goes than fly for my, four hours? My ideal day is going out and doing some aerobatics in the decathlon then, or maybe before and then just doing a few touch and goes. It's so much fun to land. I love landing. Like yeah. I love landing a tailwheel. It's so fun. What's the biggest regret of your career so far? Oh boy. Hitting it with the heavy stuff. Uh, let me think about that. Um, biggest regret. I think not uh, trusting myself more in the beginning, not pushing myself in as a student pilot. What's been the best moment of your career so far? Like, yes, I can't believe I'm doing this. This is amazing. Oh, yeah. It got really real for me after the instrument rating. I was very proud of that one. Would you rather fly a CRJ or an ERJ? Oh, CRJ. Piper or Cessna? Piper all the way, no doubt. And I'm guessing the answer will be similar to your favorite airline livery, but what's your favorite airline? Oh, I loved... um, Qantas. It was really yeah. fun. Yeah. Qantas is really nice. All right. I have a couple more. These are would you rathers. It would be, these are from Bailey Davis from my Patreon. So he has come up with some would you rather questions. So if they're bad, we can all blame Bailey. <laughs> all right, Bailey, let's do it. Yeah. Let's uh, would you rather fly morning or nights? 
Ooh, mornings. Would you rather fly tailwheel or nose dragger? You know the answer I know. to this. <laughs> I <the> tailwheel. <laughs> Would you rather fly jets or props? Jets. Would you rather fly domestically or internationally? I want to do international. And the last one, well, there's two more. This is from Austin. He goes, would you rather have a six pack or glass? Six pack. And the last one, would you rather be home every single night or would you rather have the opportunity to have the coolest overnights every night? Oh, coolest overnights. All right. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for calling on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It was great to share your story and just, just hear how much you love aviation. Uh, I wish you the best in everything you do. I hope you accomplish all of your goals and all of your dreams, whether that's flying a global or whether that's flying something upside down for a very long period of time and winning a lot of awards for it. I wish you the best and uh, thanks for coming on. Wow, thanks so much for having me, Justin. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Awesome, see ya. And that is a wrap of episode 161 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast. Navy Nation, thank you so much for listening. Like I said before, if you want to follow us on Instagram, please do. That's where we are most active and you can stay in touch, comment, see all the pictures. Pretty much a day in the life of a fractional pilot. But I hope everyone's having a great day. I hope you guys are flying and staying safe. And as always, happy flying.